This is an ABC podcast. This is Rihanna Patrick on ABC Radio. Professor Clemente Marconi is from the Institute of Fine Arts at New York University. He is the James R. McCready Professor in the History of Greek Art and Archaeology and also Director of IFA Excavations at Salonute. Professor Marconi's research looks at a lot of different things, but he's here to talk a little bit about the ruins of the ancient Greek city of Salonute. Hello, Professor Clemente Marconi. Hello, good evening. Uh, uh, you're so wonderful to be here. I'm so glad that we could get you while you were in Australia, Professor. Now, can you tell yes. me a little bit about why Salonute is such an important site in the ancient world? Well, uh, Salonute is... Uh uh, was very important uh, in the ancient world uh, and has been very important uh, for modern archaeology. Uh, the city is uh, located in uh, southwestern uh, Sicily, uh, and this was actually a very important uh, location for Selinunte. Uh, first of all, because uh, that is actually a very fertile part of the island. Uh, still today is uh, one of the most important places for agricultural production in uh, Sicily and in South Italy in general. Uh, the other uh, point is, uh, besides the fertility of the land, is that uh, Silinus was in a, uh, a staging point for navigation between Greece and Spain uh, on the one end, and between uh, central Italy and uh, North Africa on the other. So uh, it was in a very strategic uh, position. It had uh, two very important uh, harbors. Uh, and so it was an important, uh, was, it became really powerful uh, actually quite soon. Um, within uh, one uh, generation of life, uh, and uh, it really became uh, one of uh, uh, the wealthiest and most powerful cities uh, on the island of Sicily. And definitely it was the most important uh, after Syracuse uh, in the 6th in the and the 5th century, in, in the, let's say in the 6th century BC. Uh, and um, the city was actually abandoned in 250 BC. And, uh, you know, it was never reoccupied. So Selinunte is also uh, really a very important site for archaeologists. It's like uh, Pompeii. Uh, it's entirely preserved. It's a very large city, over 100 hectares uh, wide. Uh, and it's uh, almost entirely preserved. Uh, the fortifications, uh, the houses, uh, the temples, uh, uh, there is uh, pretty much everything there under the ground, and uh, this is also the reason why uh, it's been a major source of discoveries uh, since uh, the early 19th century, actually. So, Professor, how did you come to work on this site? Um, I am, uh, my, my, really, my main 
uh, field of expertise is uh, Greek uh, sculpture, and uh, particularly, actually, temple decoration uh, is uh, uh, really the, um, one of my main areas of research. And Selinunte uh, uh, is uh, particularly notable for the use of sculpture for the decoration of its temples. Uh, actually, some of the most important cycles of architectural sculpture from the Greek world are, in fact, from uh, Selinunte. So this is really how I came to Selinunte first, uh, to investigate the, really the decoration of its uh, temples. Uh, however, uh, you know, after doing all this work on uh, the metopes, the pediments, the archaeotheria, yeah, so these are the main decorated parts of Greek temples. So after doing that kind of research, uh, it became apparent to me that we were missing uh, much information about, uh, uh, we were lacking much information about uh, the use of the temples, about uh, religious uh, practice. I mean, uh, we have a good knowledge of the buildings, uh, of the architecture of the building, uh, the, the buildings, their design. But we really know very little about uh, how they were used in uh, cult practice, uh, whether people were able to enter them, uh, how they would have served as a monumental backdrop for uh, racial activities in the open air. And so this is really the reason why I ended up starting and an archaeological project there in collaboration with the Sicilian Ministry of Culture and the local archaeological park. Now, Professor, is it uh, often that you find a Greek city in Italy? Uh, there are many, uh, there are actually many Greek cities in both uh, South Italy and Sicily. Uh, the Greeks uh, migrated in the large numbers uh, to these uh, two regions uh, between, uh, for a fair amount of time, I mean, between the 8th and the early 6th century BC, uh, so about uh, 200 years. So there were very intensive uh, migrations. Uh, both uh, from uh, mainland Greece uh, and uh, uh, from uh, the Aegean and the Asia Minor. Uh, there were many, uh, there must have been several factors for these migrations. Uh, um, some of the reasons are reported by ancient historians. Uh, and they, these sources, which are, however, much later than the events that they refer to, so sometime 300 years later, actually, than the foundations themselves. But anyhow, these sources tend to emphasize social crises and tell us about instability in the mother cities, in the mother cities, because of a shortage of food or because of a civil Strife. So these are the two main reasons reported by ancient historians. And modern historians, archaeologists, are still thinking about the possible causes for these migrations. And there are really two alternative explanations, and maybe 
one might have worked in one case and the other in the other. So anyhow, one would be overpopulation at home, so the need for more land. And uh, the other uh, is um, quite different, is really opportunities uh, in the new land, uh, which leads us to South Italy and Sicily. Uh, and the point is that definitely a critical factor uh, was uh, the fertility of the land. Uh, in fact, uh, the Greeks started uh, a very significant uh, agricultural production, uh, and they sold uh, many goods. Uh, they exported many agricultural goods, uh, actually, to Greece, uh, to North Africa, to Central Italy. So, anyhow, this is how they became very prosperous. And um, the other factor, which is also very important, is that um, uh, there was uh, actually a fair amount of land available, uh, both in South Italy and uh, Sicily, uh, unlike uh, other parts of uh, the Italian uh, peninsula, like uh, uh, Central Italy or Northern Italy. So that's uh, really the reason why the focus was on these two lands, because really much of the coast of South Italy and uh, Sicily was uh, uh, not inhabited at the time of uh, foundation uh, of these Greek uh, colonies. Uh, it was inhabited by indigenous populations uh, until uh, about uh, 200 years before the Greek uh, foundations. But when uh, the Greeks came, the indigenous people had retreated uh, to the interland. Uh, so the coast was actually available for the Greeks. Um, other parts of Italy, uh, the indigenous people were present on the coast, uh, and the Greeks stayed away from actually those uh, territories. Dr. Craig Barker from the University of Sydney. Um, Craig, um, did you know about Selenute, you know, while you were doing your studies? Uh, very much so, um, um, because it is... And, and, and as Professor Marconi's just been saying, it, it is such a significant site um, architecturally in terms of, uh, particularly in terms of the history and development of, of Greek temple architecture. Um, there's a number of very significant temples or ruins of uh, significant temples. One of them, um, the, the so-called Temple E, um, was reconstructed. Um, but um, yeah, just to give you a sense of the scale, um, Temple G, uh, or the one, you know, one of the buildings designated as Temple G, is one of the largest in the entire Greek world, right across the Mediterranean, um, about 113 metres long and about 54 metres wide. And it would have been under construction for... Um, Oh, for for more than a century as well, um, the style of architecture uh, and 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 rather the style of um, sculpture um, on the different sides of the building just indicate this this long period of of construction. So it's a really important settlement for understanding a whole lot of yeah you know, the more traditional classical archaeological investigations of of, of architecture and of sculpture. But um, but as Professor Marconi has mentioned too, because of its key role as a as a trading post um, and because of its very prominent position in terms of contact between the western and eastern Mediterranean it's become a very rich city as well too so it's, it's really kind of fascinating 
just sort of seeing this this new level of uh, investigation and excavation that Professor Marconi is overseeing um, that is um, um, you know throwing up all sorts of new interesting questions and new in, a whole lot of new uh, evidence about ritual and so on that I'm sure he will tell us about shortly but um, yeah it's it's a very important site. Professor, you've had uh, you've mentioned some of uh, the importance of this site, but what are some of the major finds that you've had more recently? Yes, so we are uh, we started working at the site in two thousand six, uh, and uh, we are working in the main urban sanctuary on the Acropolis of Seninunte, so it was really the most important sacred area of the city. And uh, the sanctuary had been excavated extensively in the 19th and 20th century. And, uh, uh, you know, in the beginning, uh, the, the impression was that uh, there was very uh, little left for us to excavate. But uh, as a matter of fact, in working in the southern sector of the sanctuary, um, we have found uh, the earliest monumental temple at the site, uh, entirely sealed uh, in its original uh, archaic and classical levels, corresponding uh, to, the, uh, to the most important moment in the life of Sinilunte in the 6th and the 5th centuries BCE. So the temple is uh, completely sealed, uh, and uh, really for the first time, uh, we can uh, fully reconstruct uh, the biography of a monumental temple uh, uh, in this uh, city. I mean, so far, we knew about uh, the architectural design of these buildings, uh, but very, very little about actually their history. And uh, this one uh, temple are had uh, a history of about uh, 200 years, uh, where uh, many things changed uh, in the use of the temple. Uh, in, uh, um, and so, so this was definitely uh, one uh, very important discovery. It's really the first time we can fully appreciate and understand the biography of a temple and this site. Um, and the, uh, the other point is that uh, uh, um, because uh, the temple was uh, sealed uh, in its original levels, we can uh, really fairly well reconstruct uh, the use of the temple and uh, religious uh, practice in and around the area of uh, the temple. Um, and um, I um, and the, the various acts that were taking place in these temples, uh, besides praying to the cult image of the goddess. So I'm thinking about votive offering. We have a large amount of votive objects. They go from weapons to jewelry to fine pottery to musical instruments. Then we have significant evidence about animal sacrifices. Actually, the first time archaeological analysis uh, is carried out uh, in the main, in uh, one of the centuries of Silinunt. So we really have a sense about uh, the animals being sacrificed uh, over the ages. Uh, there are significant changes, actually. And then uh, we have evidence for music and uh, dancing. Uh, so probably one of our most exciting discoveries has been a flute, uh, 
part of a flute that was dedicated in the foundation deposit of our temple and clearly points to the performance of music and dancing, which were closely associated in the Greek world in the era of our temple, so much so that in front of the temple we found a theatrical area for around 500 people for assisting at all those performances that were held in the open in front of the temple. So anyhow, we are putting life on these temples of Selinunte. And so, Professor, do you know, um, you know, can you tell me the bit of the flute that you found? Uh, what is that flute made out of? Uh, so that is uh, made of uh, the tie of a deer, um, and um, is actually a very sophisticated object. Uh, I mean, especially those that were made out of animal bones, like the one that we found. It's very possible that uh, is, uh, it was actually not produced uh, locally. Uh, there is a good chance that it was actually imported uh, because definitely it was a very delicate and valuable object. Uh, there are very close uh, comparanda uh, found in Sparta, in Greece. And, uh, you know, it is definitely possible that it might have come from a place like Sparta. We uh, actually made a reconstruction of our flute by an expert in wind instruments and uh, we have uh, we did a performance uh, in uh, <laughs> the era of the temple uh, where you know uh, is a little bit on the speculative side but we definitely learned uh, many many things probably the most exciting is that uh, ultimately the sound of the flute uh, reminds very much uh, like the sound of a sheep and goats and, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, half of the animals uh, sacrificed at our temple were sheep and goats. Uh, uh, so it's really looking like uh, they were actually carrying the animals to the altar at the sound of the flute. So, you know, what we got from this performance and this experiment, this case of experimental archaeology, was that probably really the instrument was meant to mimic and imitate the sound of the animals. Uh, anyhow, uh, would have been really interesting. Yeah, it would have been uh, really interesting. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> so apart from the sheeps and the goats, Professor, did you find um, that there were any other animals that were also sacrificed at this temple? Yes. Yes. So, uh, so um, first of all, uh, this summer, I mean, uh, less than a month ago, uh, we found the left antler of a red deer, uh, which really points to the presence of deer in the interland of Selinunte in the 7th century BCE. Uh, and I'm saying this because there must have been more forestation than there is now. Now the deer is extinct, actually, as a species in uh, Sicily. Uh, so anyhow, this was one exciting discovery. Uh, and uh, presumably it was dedicated by a hunter of the first generation of life of the colony that went to the interland, found the antler of the animal in the woods, and carried back to Selinunte as a votive offering. And then we found the horns of a large bull, 
And uh, we know that the sacrifice of bulls was actually one of the most important and the most expensive in Greek religion. Uh, we had uh, evidence for it, uh, kind of evidence for it in the visual record from Selinunte. Uh, we know of uh, statues of bulls presumably being sacrificed located in the centuries of Selinunte. Some of these statues were made of bronze, some were made of marble, some were made of terracotta. But uh, presumably they really refer to the actual sacrifice of bulls. And now we can confirm this uh, because, in fact, we found uh, the horns of a large bull. Uh, and uh, this was actually a dedication done uh, at the time of the construction of uh, Temple R. It's really interesting. We had many animal sacrifices that were carried out during construction, uh, presumably by the patrons of the temples, but also the architects and the masons. is really a very interesting picture, uh, which we really didn't have before, actually, this investigation. Yeah, and I understand that this is uh, new information. Oh, Professor Clemente Marconi, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, and I'm so grateful that we could talk to you about Salunite. So thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. This is Rihanna Patrick on ABC Radio.